0: My daughter's nine, and she comes home from school, and no joke, this is the conversation we have like every day. Dad, can I take my shoes off? Yeah, go ahead. Dad, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. Dad, can I get something to eat? just do it like just go do it you don't need my permission to do everything now if you want to go play in a busy street please ask me first but you don't have to ask for these things and so i think it really is like we're trained in school and we're trained in society that there's authority figures and we have to let somebody else tell us what we can do this is the happen to your career podcast with scott anthony
1: barlow We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it.
2: If you're ready to
3: make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
1: Here's Scott.
3: This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now, we get to bring on experts like Dr. Phil Carson, who helps people navigate stress and encourages people to get out of stressful situations, or people that have pretty amazing stories like Laura Morrison, who knew she wanted to make a change and decided to reach out for help, and now she's starting down a career path. while she gets to help companies engage their employees. These people are just like you, but they've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. Today's guests are returners on the show, as it turns out, Lisa Lewis, our very own Lisa Lewis, and Mark Sievercrop.
1: Well, the idea for putting the band back together for this particular podcast episode was because Scott and I had been noticing that in our email boxes, his in particular... We were starting to see some interesting trends pop up in messages. You know, we get tons of emails every day from people asking all manner of career questions. But Scott, you started to notice what I think we called like a secret confession in some of the emails and some of the trends that you were seeing in the questions that folks were were throwing out there. In
3: this conversation with Lisa and Mark, we get deep into how there really isn't a one-size-fits-all, easy solution, magic bullet answer to giving yourself permission, but when you listen, find out how to apply solutions in your life that work for your particular circumstance and listen for the ones that will work for your situation, and then We talk about some really specific resources to write your own permission slip. And this is, that sounds like a funny thing to do, but take a listen as to why that can actually work incredibly well for you and stop waiting for somebody else to tell you it's okay to do what you want. And you get an opportunity here. These are what, this is what's at stake to realize and gain an understanding of how financial risk isn't the only factor in making a decision and see how staying in your current job can actually be just as risky as making a change if that if that sounds odd oh just you just wait we'll we'll dig into that and more and then you get to learn how to recognize when you feel an intuitive yes and how to push aside fear so that you can actually take action on that intuitive yes you'll see what i mean
2: i knew i was looking for something i could tell you exactly what i didn't want but i had a really hard time defining what i
3: wanted This is Tanya. She came to HTYC looking for clarity she needed to move forward.
2: So that I had this great structure that I could talk to because it it was the base of who I was with the additional piece of what I was looking for now.
3: Listen for Tanya's story later on in the episode to learn how she used Career Change Bootcamp to help her finally figure out what fits her.
2: It is the single best thing that I have done
3: this was super interesting, because we we do get a lot of questions. And as we started to we we've recently been taking a lot of these questions and trying to answer as many as we can in different forms. So we're bringing on guests before the podcast uh, that happen to fit those questions, whatever else. But as we put all these questions together on a list, noticed it a really interesting trend. A lot of these questions underlying the surface, like when you go a little bit deeper, are people that are almost asking permission to do some of these things like hey how do i know how do i know if it's okay to quit my job how do i know if it's okay to start a side hustle or start a business when should i do this at what point is this okay at what point you know should i make this happen and lots and lots of those types of questions and if we, if we kind of break those down and say, okay, what is the, I should, or when is it okay? Really, that's what many of us have a tendency to do, which is waiting on permission from somebody else. So this, this has been an interesting phenomenon and something that as we've worked with lots of people, we have, well, We've had to help a lot of people, plus ourselves in some cases, get over, get over that waiting on permission. Cause as it turns out, when you wait on permission, very little has a tendency to
0: happen. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. I would say so. I think, um, you know, just to begin with, I'm just going to blanket, give everybody permission. Like you have permission to <laughs> just make the change. Just so you know, like, <laughs> thank you. And good night. No. <laughs> right here.
3: It's happening. You got permission. Okay. We're our work is done here. <laughs>
0: But you're right. It's crazy. It's it's crazy how, and and I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think we're going to talk about why we think this is. But like for me, I really think it's a cultural thing. Um, In what way? You know, it, well, let me give you an example. My daughter, my daughter's nine and she comes home from school and no joke, this is the conversation we have like every day. And Scott, I think I've, I've vented about this to you before. Yeah. Dad, can I take my shoes off? Yeah, go ahead. Dad, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. Dad, can I get something to eat? Brooklyn, just do it. Like, just go do it. You don't need my permission to do everything. Now, if you want to go play in a busy street, please ask me first. But you don't have to ask for these things. And so, I think it's it really is like we're trained in school and we're trained in society that there's authority figures and we have to let somebody else tell us what we can do. And so, from this like small age, and I never noticed it, and I don't know. It's probably worse. I don't know. I. I feel like my dad and everything's worse now than it was when I was a kid back in the day, blah, blah, blah. But, but it's like it's, – it's, that's the way our society set up and that's the way the school system is set up that you need to sit in your chair and wait to be told what to do and wait to be called on and, and ask if you can go to the bathroom and ask if you can do this, which I get from an organizational standpoint. Like I, I do not envy my daughter's teacher if all the kids could just do whatever they wanted. But when it comes to life, that's not the way life works. And if you try to do it that way, you're going to run into all sorts of frustrations. And like you said, nothing's going to happen. And so to me, I really think it's kind of a cultural thing. Um, and it's just, it's the way we've been trained. Like we just think we need, somebody else is in charge of us and- I think over and over again, if you look at successful people, those are the people that decide that they're in charge of themselves, and they're going to make the decision that's best for them. And I mean, that's the interesting thing. People email you and ask you, you know, when is the right time? When can I do this? You can't tell them. Like, you don't know. You don't know their whole situation. Like, they're the one in their situation. They're the one that needs to say, now is the time that I'm going to do this. You know, now is the time I'm going to change jobs, or I'm going to go out on my own, or I'm going to go get something to eat or take my shoes off. (laughs) So... Well, that's that's,
3: that's really interesting too, because uh, you, you're right. I mean, we can get, create good outlines and good um, general advice, but ultimately, people still have to decide for themselves, right? So, so at least I'm curious your perspective on this. Like, how how did we get to here where <laughs> we are, you know, essentially waiting on somebody else in a lot of cases without even realizing that we are for permission. What do you think? How does this happen?
1: Sure. Well, I think that Mark hit the nail on the head of that. There are some social norms and some behaviors that are incredibly helpful and adaptive to us at different moments in our careers and our lives, and especially through the school system and even early in your career. There are a lot of times when you you are required to ask for permission. You need someone else to grant you the authority to do certain things. But then there comes a moment in all of our lives where we realize that we are the captain of our own ships and we can make whatever decisions we want to make. But I think, Mark, you said something really interesting there about, sort of sort of in a flip way, about if your daughter wanted to play in the middle of a busy street, you would want her to ask you for permission. And I think that that actually underlies the challenge that adults have when they're thinking about this question of... Is it okay for me to start a business? Is it the right time? Can I even do this? Because in a lot of ways, putting yourself out there, trying this, you know, exposing yourself to risk in that way feels like you are that little girl playing in the middle of a busy street. Right. And there's a fine balance I think between seeking out helpful information, mentors, coaching, resources from people who have done this before so that you can learn from their mistakes and fast track yourself with then using that seeking of information as a procrastination device to keep yourself from actually having to go into the arena and step out into the street to play human frogger with the intent of actually successfully getting across to the other side and then opening up a new horizon of possibilities to yourself. So I, Scott, I actually want to throw the question back to you of when people are considering a big, bold, exciting thing like this, but they feel like they need permission because there is a lot of risk and there is some fear associated with it. You know, how can you, what would you say to somebody who is feeling a little bit like that little girl who is asking permission to play in the street because it feels dangerous, unsafe, questionable, might not turn out the way that you want, might end up with some, some scraped knees and stubbed toes. And how do you, how do you think about the self empowerment of writing your own permission slip and seeing and assessing those risks appropriately.
3: Well, this is really interesting for me because as Mark, as you were talking about your daughter, I'm thinking of my, my three kids. And one of the things that we do that I, I, I may not sure is necessarily helping. And (laughs) now that I think about it, so this is, I'm getting parental advice on my my own (laughs) podcast. This is awesome. (laughs) A two for one. Anyhow, Um, One of the things that we do is a lot of the times we will, instead of having our kids ask us for something, is uh, have them let us know and communicate that that is. And then that gives us the dialogue to be able to uh, say, hey, you know what? Could you not do that right now? Like uh, our son last night is like, hey, mom, I'm going over to to the neighbor's house to go play with the little boy over there, right? And, you know, we were able to intervene and say, hey, you know what? Actually, we're going to have dinner in 15 minutes, so... Um, could you instead wait till after dinner or whatever it might be, right? But then on the other side of the coin, we have iPods for the kids, and the iPods have become a such a sore spot, almost like uh, <laughs> the digital equivalent of playing in the street in some ways. That uh, <laughs> that we say, hey, nobody can use the iPods unless you ask. You must ask. And right. I, I, in thinking about that, I'm not sure that is the right. I guess it doesn't matter right or wrong because there's no perfect right or wrong, but I'm not sure that is the message that I really want to deliver to my kids now that I'm thinking about it out loud. Um, <laughs> raising yeah. child therapy. You heard it here on the on the After Your Career podcast. But, and here's the reason why. Here's what I was thinking of as you were asking that question, Lisa. At some point in every one of these plain in the street situations, you have to evolve from um, from wherever you're at to going into that dangerous situation. And just like you said before, Mark, nobody can really tell you to do that. So you almost yeah. have to, you have to be able to practice like taking, uh, taking action of your own volition and putting yourself out there, knowing that you're going to get the skin knees. It's it's one, I mean, here's another example of it. I don't know why I'm using so many kids examples, but two of my kids are in Taekwondo and they like to, they like to spar <laughs> as it turns out. So when we're that, just practicing, dad, yeah, that's we're, all we're doing. We're practicing. We're, exactly. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you but, threw them down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we've resorted to at first. We're like, no, no sparring unless you're at Taekwondo. And then <laughs> eventually we decided, no, that's not really the right message. So it became a, okay, you know what? when you do this we want you to understand that you are going to get hurt one of you is going to get hurt i promise you it's going to happen <laughs> eventually like just depending on how long you spar and whether or not we interrupt you for dinner like somebody's going to get hurt here and <laughs> it, that's a different mentality and it's almost the same type of thing but here's here's uh, if we dig into some of the science behind this and some of the psychology which i've become really fascinated by our tendency um our minds are actually wired to avoid things that we think that we might regret or things that might hurt us, that might give us those skin knees. We might regret going playing Frogger in the mm-hmm. street, right? So we have a tendency to want to avoid those things. And if we wait on permission for somebody else, then that's actually a way of, uh, of protecting ourselves because... If it's not us saying that and it's not us like forcing ourselves to go forward, well, then we're not really, it's not really our fault. We're not really claiming responsibility for it and we can't regret it. So it's actually a way that we're protecting ourselves psychologically too. And the weird thing, the really weird thing is, especially for high achievers, because many of us like to have a lot of control, but we're actually giving up control (laughs) in exchange for the benefit of protecting ourselves for what we might regret potentially in, in the future. And that's, that's part of what happens that causes us to ask for permission in the, in the first place here.
0: And I want, yeah, I wonder how much, and I don't want to be the one that's like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's society's fault and it's the economy's fault. And president Trump, I can't believe it. He's the reason I can't do this. But you know, I wonder how much of it is because it seems like we, we so many times, and I know I did this, I had a miscon misconstrued view of what risk was.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think so many people, especially when they're talking about switching jobs or they're talking about going out on their own, they look at that as risky. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to have a, a consistent paycheck. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to have, um, uh, you know, they're not going to provide me with benefits. And, and this is an argument I've had with my grandpa like 5 million times when I started work for myself. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, I look back now and it's like the risky thing for me was being where I was at. Because one, I wasn't doing what I liked doing. And two, like there was no room for growth for me. Like it was the most risky thing I could do because, you know, and we've heard so many people say this, it's like, you think it's so, so safe working for somebody. Well, what if your boss has a bad day one day and decides that, you know, you're not cutting it, and they fire you? Like that's a pretty risky situation to be in. Whereas for me, where I'm I'm working for myself and, you know, I I have a, a major client that I work with, but. If something happened, I could go find another client. I could go do something else. I could, you know, I have room to to adjust. And and so I think a lot of times when people are are worried about those types of things, part of the thing that will help you to be able to, uh, to give yourself permission is to sit down and say, is it really that risky? And is it is it really more risky than what I'm doing now? You know, it, it's it's that whole, you know, writing down the pros and cons and really being honest and saying, yeah, there's some risk, but everything has risk to it like there's risk to sitting there and not doing anything. so i think a lot of times one something that that would that helps us to to realize that it's okay to make that next step or to take that decision is is the fact that it's not as safe where you're at as you think you are. it is. you know, we're we're comfortable, we're used to it, but there's a big difference between comfort and being used to something and it being safe. and i think realizing that dynamic and that that distinction is really important in giving yourself permission to do something.
3: That's, yeah, that's really interesting, Lisa.
0: Don't raise we, your hand. Yes, we're talking about taking, for, giving <laughs> <I know>. permission. <laughs> we just to, jump we in, like, jeez. We're
3: on video and apparently- <laughs> Well, we to
0: okay, this hold business. on, like, I'm raising your mind. hand right here. Look
1: at that, <laughs> hold on a second. Dang it, it oh, Mr. President. Okay, so, so there's something to be said in there about gendered norms with respect to permission and I yeah. think we'll get, we'll get to that. But Mark, one of the things I think you're highlighting right now is that that risk is much more holistic then people think about it. People right. think about it so much through that lens of the financial risk, mm-hmm. and you know what is my income trajectory six months from now? You know, if I stay in this job, I can predict that out probably to the penny. Right. But if I go out doing something else, change to a new job, that all becomes really unclear. But I think one of the most important things to think about with respect to risk is the psychological and emotional risk of, let's say, you stay in exactly the same position that you were in right now. For another year? Where's your happiness? Where's your fulfillment? Where is your sense of aliveness? You know, if we think that the way that we spend our days is the way that we spend our lives, would you be satisfied with yourself a year from now? You know, would your future self be thanking you for having stayed in the position that you're in because it has afforded you such amazing highs and such amazing growth and such amazing potential to expand and really feel like you are living into all that's available to you as a living, breathing member of the, the human race. Because when you think about it through that lens, that can be pretty motivational. You know, life life is long. And we for so many of us who are so blessed, life is long. But life is also short. And if you are continually trying to shortchange yourself out of your own dreams by not giving yourself permission, not leaning into those things that both excite you and scare you at the same time then where are you gonna be five years from now? And where's the world gonna be? What is the world losing out on because you are not letting your light shine as strongly as it could and you are not allowing yourself to go and explore more of the things that get you fired up or that make you so, so passionate and emotionally engaged that they bring tears to your eyes. And thinking about risk through that lens, I think can be a game changer for some people.
3: That was mm-hmm. that was heavy in a lot of different ways, and especially the added element of, look, we are going to lay guilt into you. What are you denying <laughs> the world if, <laughs> if you don't go it- No, I'm a totally kidding. Totally
0: the, right. the country it can is- lose the war.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that that is right. Actually, that's what prompted that same line of thinking that you're talking about, Lisa, is what prompted me initially, like way back when, when all, uh, I guess all the stuff that led up to starting this company um, happened. Like I was, I was in a job that really, I, I, I have a friend that still works with that company to this day. Actually, he now, I don't know. He practically owns it. He's like, I think he's, uh, I don't know, VP or president or something. He's, he's up there, but I could still be there too, potentially. And, and probably not enjoying it. Or maybe I've had a heart attack at this point. I don't know. Something's <laughs> going on at, at this point. Cause it wasn't the right fit for me, even if it was the right fit for him. And, you know that that not wanting to tolerate it and viewing it as a risk of how much of my life am I going to be wasting if I stay here another month? That's what prompted me to actually do something about it and launch into okay. So how does how does how does the rest of the world that actually likes their jobs go and do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the interesting thing about what both of you said though is. Um even though we just got done talking about how our minds have a tendency to guide us away things of things that we think are risky or we think that we might regret or we think that we might um cause I don't know some kind of injury to us in mental or physically or otherwise human frogger or, or or otherwise um we've got a ton of research to support that actually anytime you're looking at those big types of decisions it's the opposite way. It's the polar opposite way. When you're on the other side of that decision, if you've, if you've stayed or if you have not taken that, uh, that action that you thought that maybe you should do, then human beings often regret that. And uh, vice versa. If you have taken that action, very, very, very few people actually regret that. It's, so it's polar opposite. It's counterintuitive from the way that we think it, it would be.
0: Well, I think part of it too is – and I, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Mastin Kip. Um, do you know who he is? So Mastin Kip, he's uh, – he, um, I heard him speak at one of Jeff Walker's events. And he, he talks a lot about um, you know fulfilling your potential and stuff. But one of the things he said um, recently at LaunchCon was he said – and I think this is important to realize. He said there's two kinds of fear. Like there's good fear and there's bad fear. Like the fear that the bear is going to kill you. When you're standing in front of it, when you're camping, that's a good fear. Like you should listen to that and you should run. But he said good fear is something that we should embrace. And, and he said something that I think is really important and I think will help people. He said, um, and I'm paraphrasing. If I would have thought about this before just right now, I would have brought my notes with me and I could have read it. But he said, if something is an intuitive yes, but it scares you, that's what you should do. And I think so many times people get so caught up in the, the scare that comes afterwards that they miss and they don't recognize that intuitive yes. There's so many times in my life that that something just felt right and immediately I'm like yes that's what I need to do. But then immediately after that, oh my gosh, what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Um, you know, do I? Does somebody needs to tell me it's okay? What if I do this? What if my family doesn't get supported and all these things? But I knew immediately, and I think that's the thing that people miss is in that moment. Almost always, we will know what we're supposed to do and we'll know what's right and we will give ourselves permission, but then immediately we back off from that and we're like, oh my gosh, but what if this happens? You know, but I need somebody to tell me it's okay. I need my boss to tell me it's okay. I need my family to tell me it's okay. Um, And I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to your family because I am a big advocate of listening to my wife because nothing goes well if I don't, (laughs) but, (laughs) and you can tell her I said that. Um, I will but at the same time it's important to realize that and to know you know to to recognize that intuitive yes and and realize that if there's an intuitive yes followed by fear that's a good fear that's not a bad fear that's not a bad thing at all that's just a oh my gosh I don't know how this is going to work out and that's okay like I mean Scott I know back way back in the day you know we talked about that how you know in your career you you don't always know what the next 10 steps are going to be but you do know the next two or the next one and if you're okay with that and you think that's then everything starts to, to fall in the but as long as you see that intuitive yes and you recognize um, that's the most important part. And that, that really helps you to give yourself permission because I think a lot of times we just miss that and we don't we don't recognize that for what it is.
2: I knew I was looking for something. I could tell you exactly what I didn't want, but I had a really hard time defining what I wanted.
3: Tanya struggled with what she wanted in her career and her life.
2: It really came down to my need to find a career in which I, A, could be proud of, B, could develop myself and grow more with.
3: Career Change Bootcamp helped her realize what she really wanted, and she went to work on figuring it out.
2: Because you're going to get so much more out of it based upon what you put into it.
3: Tanya now had a plan to take action.
2: It has brought me from a place of not knowing, a place of not being confident in being able to bring myself to others and to explain who and what I am.
3: Having a great plan wasn't the only thing she gained from Career Change Bootcamp though.
2: Being able to present myself to my peers uh, and having that confidence to be able to do that in a manner that resonated.
3: Congratulations to Tanya on finding work that she loves with her dream company, Wanderlust. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, find out how Career Change Bootcamp can help you step by step. Go to HappenToYourCareer.com and click on Career Change Bootcamp, or text my coach to four four two two two. Pause right now, and we'll send over the application. Just text my coach to four four two two two.
2: I can honestly say that I would not be where I'm at today without the HTYC crew.
1: Yeah, I think that when we, when you're talking about the idea of permission, what we're actually talking about is fear, mm-hmm. right? That the, the permission is sort of the, the proxy that we are using as a protection from dealing with the deeper fears and the questions of the what ifs. And some of those fears fall into that good fear category like you were talking about. Like, I don't want to send my family into financial ruin mm-hmm. or... You know, my son has a health condition and I really need to make sure that we have great health insurance to take exquisite care of every one of his needs versus the ones that are more about bucking social norms or conventions or maybe even the fear of the identity that you crafted to get you to where you are right now and having to shift and change and maybe even abandon that identity to get to where it is that you want to go. And one of my favorite exercises to sort of wrestle with all of those fears and peel apart the different layers on them and better sort them into the the sort of like inessential fears versus the essential fears is with Tim Ferriss's TED Talk. He has a a beautiful fear mapping exercise that he walks people through to say, okay, let me go ahead and envision whatever this worst case scenario could be. And then let me write out all the things that I would do if that actually happened. And the psychological safety that that can give you of saying, you know what, I actually have thought about the worst case scenario and here are the different contingency plans that I have in place just in case that happens is such a helpful thing because, I mean, the likelihood that it is going to go to the worst case scenario and that you will put your family into financial ruin and you will lose health insurance and all those things, it's it's small. It's not zero, the probability that it'll happen, but it's pretty small. But if you know that you already thought that through, you've already talked it through with your your partner, your spouse, yourself, your soul, whoever needs to be on board with that. And you feel comfortable and confident that you've got the tools in your toolbox to deal with that if that were the case, it makes the permission piece of it a whole heck of a lot easier.
0: Well, the thing I found like by doing that exercise, and I've done that too, is I always think I know what the worst case is. And in my mind, it's like, oh my gosh, that would be so terrible. But when you sit down and do that process, you're like, oh, I was nowhere near the worst case scenario. Like That, what I'm worried about, what I'm really worried about, that's not even close to what the worst thing could be. So, okay, this is all right. Like I can handle this. So I think that's a, a great suggestion because, you know, we, we, we forget. And I think we get so tunnel visioned of what a bad outcome could be. And I think so much that it's a, it's so much of what we look at as a bad outcome for any situation is, is informed by what we've had happen in our lives or what we've seen happen to somebody we know that we don't realize that that's really not that bad. Like most of the times, it's really not the end of the world. Um, and once you sit down and do that exercise, Lisa, you you find that out, and you're like, oh, well, it could be way worse than that. And if if what I'm thinking is a small possibility, the the worst case scenario is really a small possibility. And you know, we were talking beforehand before we started recording um, about uh, my friend Susie Moore's new book, and I love the title. It's what if it does work out? We worry so much about, you know, what if things don't work out? What if this doesn't happen? What if what if I can't support my family? But we never ask that question. Well, what if it does work out? What if everything does go well? What if what if this opportunity is amazing? What if I I make more money? What if I have more time for my family? What if I love what I'm doing? You know, and, and I think you have to go to that side of it too and realize that, you know, if if you're only looking at what could happen, but not what could happen on the good side, you're missing out. You're not giving yourself a fair representation of of what's going to happen. And that makes it harder to give yourself permission if you're only presented with the bad facts. Which is what our minds typically do. It's a lot harder. Yeah, it's hard to take give give yourself permission when all you're looking at is what could go wrong. You know, you have to look at what's gonna, what could go right too, and realize that there's just as much of an an opportunity for things to go right as there is for things to go wrong. And we never realize that, and we never think about that when we're thinking of these things.
1: Although I would say sometimes people do think about what could go right, and there can be a lot of scary shit over there too. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
1: What if things go right? And then all of a sudden, you realize that you need to hire a team. What mm-hmm. if things go right and you start making so you know so much money or so many huge changes in your life that the people who you used to associate with don't yeah. feel like family and don't feel like friends, don't feel like home anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, there's this beautiful quote from Marianne Williamson that, again, had I thought about it before this moment, I would have brought. To Paris. <laughs> it's something to the effect of, "It's not our darkness." And our our weakness and our insecurities that scares us, but it's our light, hmm. and it is the possibility, the possibility for greatness inside of us.
0: It's the fact that we are powerful beyond belief. I think that's part of that quote.
3: Yeah. I See? love that everybody here can finish each other's quotes. <laughs> 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 oh, that cracks me up. So. We've talked about, we we even started to get into what can you do about this situation? If you find that there is an area of your life or career or anything for that matter that You are waiting on for you're waiting on somebody for permission and you realize this. And I want you to start evaluating and start looking at that. Look at the look at the way that you're talking about it. Look at the way look at the verbiage that you're using. You know, is it okay to do this? Uh, Can I do this? Uh, Should I do this? Anytime those are are pre pre on the question that's going to follow that's probably a good indication that you might be waiting on permission in there someplace at least a little bit so we talked about we talked about the fear mapping exercise and i think that that is a great way to go what else can people do in order to stop waiting on permission where they don't need to
0: i think one of the things that that's always helped me is realizing that there is one person in the world who has my best interest in mind and it's me. Um, You know, I, it's so funny. You, you hear, you hear this with big companies all the time. People get so mad because a company lays somebody off. Excuse me. But that company's job is to their shareholders. That, that's their responsibility. It's not to you as an employee. I'm sorry. I, I know that that hurts a lot of people's feelings, but it's true. And the same thing happens when, you, when you're getting into this position of should I or, or can I or is it okay if. Like you have to realize that the only person that's looking out for you completely is you and and then that that extends to you know if you're a parent the only person looking after your family is you everybody else has their own agenda they everybody else is worried about looking after themselves your boss is worried about looking after himself and to some extent his position in the company um you know you're you're Your parents, you know, yeah, they probably care about you, but they are at some point as you get older, they're looking after themselves too. And and the decisions that they encourage you to make are based on what they think it's how it's going to reflect on them and you know, how it's going to, you know, affect them and, and, and so on and so forth. And that's not a bad thing. That's that's an innate ability and an innate feeling that we have. But once you realize that you are the only person that is solely concerned with what's best for you. Then you realize that you're the only person that can give yourself permission, and you're the only person that's going to give yourself unbiased permission. I think that's the most important part because people will give you permission, but it's 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 informed by what's best for them because that's how we look at things, and it's not a self. I'm not saying that everybody's selfish and terrible people. That's just the way we are. And so, for me, that's the thing that's helped me is realizing that only I can make the decision that's best for me. You know, uh, my boss can't make it. My parents can't make it. Um, you know, Scott, you can't make it as a a career coach, you know, only I can make the decision that's best for me. And when you realize that, then you realize that you're the one that has to take responsibility. If you want to be happy, if you want to do the things that you want to do, nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can make that decision because you're the only one that's a hundred percent invested in what's best for you and making you happy.
3: That is, that is super interesting. I was thinking about the you know, coaching perspective too, because I spend a lot of money on, on coaches and have over the years. And certainly we have a, we have a business where, you know, big, big portion of what we do is providing coaching. And and at the end of the day, you're right. Like we, we cannot make that decision for any of the people that we help. The only thing that we can do is help make it easier for them to make their own decision. But that's a big Mm -hmm. distinction right there. Interesting. Good. Good point. What do What do you think, Lisa? Yeah. What? How else can can we make this easier? How else can we enable ourselves to stop waiting on permission and actually give give our own selves permission in in a number of different ways?
1: Well, I wanted to say just a a, a little thing about different gendered yes please. social norms that people yeah. might not realize are clouding their ability to see what, what they're asking for permission from or for. And from what I've sort of noticed from the coaching work that I've done, especially with women is that I think that there's some sort of heteronormative behaviors that women start to internalize from a young age about men often being the ones who are who are the aggressors who are the askers who are the people who go out there and get it and that women often are painted into this corner of of waiting and having somebody seek you out and having somebody come to you and that you're not necessarily the one to be the initiator and i think that if you have an awareness that that might be an operating assumption that is working inside of your mind or inside of your heart as you're thinking about what possibilities might exist for you That you might see lots of places in your life where you've been sitting and waiting and wondering where you could absolutely grab the reins and take control and just take that one baby step of initiation closer to seeing if whatever idea, whatever possibility you've been rolling around inside of your head or inside of your heart for months or maybe even years could be a fun reality for you. And just little things like that can be so pervasive in the way that we think about ourselves in the context of society. And I think the other one that's sort of challenging for women is that in typical gender norms, you know, that again, heteronormative male, female uh, gender roles, especially when it comes to family, that women often, often think of themselves as having to be something for other people. That you are, you are a mom, you are a caregiver, you are a devoted spouse, you're XYZ things, and that your identity ends up being yoked to the roles that you play for other people. And I think that, Mark, the point that you just made about you are the only one who is looking out for your best interests, and you've got to be the one who steps up to the plate to take care of yourself can be particularly painful or frustrating or challenging for for women not just to hear, but then to figure out how to internalize and then manifest in your own behavior, decisions, et cetera, because there's so much of of social norms around women and what it means to be a good woman. If you're putting some liberal air quotes around that idea of good, that has to do with not honoring what you want and thinking about what other people want and what they need as being more important than your own wants and needs. And so if if your spidey sense is tingling as you're listening to this and thinking that there might even be 1% of truth in that, in the way that you've been thinking about yourself and your career and your happiness, and maybe even other areas of your life, maybe it's your relationship, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your uh, your your dynamic with your family or your friends, and you could just try on that new belief of... I've got to be the one who is championing me, my happiness and my fulfillment matter. And in fact, I can be a better partner. I can be a better mother. I can be a better sister, friend, et cetera. If I am fully stepping into and living out my joy and living out my truth in the way that I am making decisions day to day, it can, it can be pretty revolutionary and exciting. Scary. still Scary, still scary, but also really <laughs> empowering and exciting. And and I'm curious think, to hear from you guys if you see the gender norms on the other side playing a role, too.
3: Yes. I, I. What's that, Mark? Say that again. I think we cut out. Josh, cut out this whole section of nothingness. All right. Great fantastic. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that as you're talking and and spe- thinking about it from two lenses too. One, um, I was thinking, okay, so I'm dredging up times in my life where I've perpetuated that accidentally <laughs> as, as a man. And then I was also thinking about it from the other side too, as a, a father raising, raising a young woman, uh, cause I have a little, little girl, right? 10 year old girl. And Mark, you have, you have, you have a daughter too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that, uh, I think that there are some tendencies that I have seen for myself, probably as a man, it probably comes from a couple of different places actually to be more willing to take permission but I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of dissecting that in my head a little bit. I don't know. What are your <laughs> thoughts, Mark? Well,
0: I th- i think I, I agree. I think there is uh, there is some – what was the word you used? Heteronormative. Oh, and when you said that, I blacked out for a second. I, I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what like, that means. What does that even mean? Like Google. Google. You know, I, I think there are on both sides, and and one of the things I, I just want to say real quick, and <clears throat> this is the part of the show where where a guy tells a woman what she's thinking, um, which always goes over so well. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why. But too. I, I I see that, and it's so many times, you know, I think the key element for, um, you know, if you're feeling that way, is the word and. You know, you can be these things, and you can be a great mom, you can be a great wife, you can be all these things and you can be successful professionally and you can do what you want to do and you can make yourself happy as well so i think that's one big part of it is is remembering that that you can do both the other thing yeah so i mean i think my daughter you know i see it in her that she she wants to make everybody happy she wants to make sure everybody is okay and, and that's a good thing and I, th- I think the challenge on both sides probably is is balancing those good parts of that but also realizing when you can take it too far and realizing when when taking that too far starts to be a detriment to who you are, um, and and I think that is a, a unique challenge. But but I I think there's definitely some norms, um, you know, on the other side too. Um, I think there's some some challenges that the guys maybe have that um, that are a little bit different. And you know whether that's I think I have a tendency of. I don't want to say like giving myself too much permission but just like running roughshod over my family's feelings while i'm giving myself permission and i think sometimes that's the challenge that i see with myself yeah is you know well i i'm the master of my my ship i'm the you know i'm i'm in charge and you know this is what's best for me and and you know my wife's sitting there's thinking okay well what about the family you know what about what about your kids what about these things and so i think it can go um, I think he can go far to the other side, which then I think ties into um, some of the challenges that that women maybe have a little bit more is they see taking permission as that. They see if I'm going to give myself permission, it means I have to be a jerk. It means that I have to just not care about anybody's feelings and not care about what anybody thinks, and I'm just going to do what I what I want to do, and, and that's all that matters. And I think it's so important to realize that that's not – what we're talking about. That's not what we mean. You can be sweet and you can be nice and you can still give yourself permission. You can you can take care of people and you can still give yourself permission. And on the other side, as a guy, you can give yourself permission without being a jerk. You, know, you can give yourself permission and then still take care of your family. You can give yourself permission and still be a, a good person. Um, and I think sometimes that's like, we see those stereotypes of people that have given their self permission and that holds us back. Because it's like, well, I don't want to be that way. You know, I don't want to be that person. And it's like, no, you don't have to be that person. You don't have to be a complete jerk. You don't have to, you know, giving yourself permission and doing what you want to do does not mean, it's not the guy that's, you know, 45 years old and and ditches his family and goes off on his own to chase his dreams. Like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. That's not what we're talking about. But it's like, that's, again, like society and movies shows that so many times that that's what it means to follow your dreams. And it, it doesn't. Like, you can... Like, you know, Scott, so much of what you teach people, I feel like is, is kind of the idea of you can have your cake and eat it too. Like, you can be happy in more than one area. You can be successful without jeopardizing your relationships. You can do all these things. And and so I think, I mean, we're talking about solutions and we've kind of got back into the issues a little bit more, but part of that solution is realizing that. So realizing that t- giving permission for you might be different than giving permission for me. And it might be different than what it means for Scott or for Lisa.
3: You can we're give yourself all permission to give yourself permission in a way <laughs> that works for you.
0: <laughs> we give you permission to do <laughs> we that. We give
3: you permission to do that. <laughs> oh,
1: well, and Does you that make guys, sense? You, you was joke I just, like, here, but off? I think that, well, no, I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, whatever gender identity, anybody who's listening, you know, tends to, tends to identify with most that we all exist on this spectrum of sometimes there are times when giving ourselves permission could make it so that we are, actively harming people in our life that we don't realize. And there are some times in our life when giving ourselves permission is so overdue and so needed that, you know, you want to do it immediately right now. But I think that, um, one thing that it's important to, to think about sort of as we're, we're wrapping up this, this thought and wrapping up this idea is that I, you're, what you're joking about with giving yourself permission to give yourself permission is actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, And there is a there's a tool that we can link up in the blog post for today's podcast to write out your own permission slip and help sort of parse through what those limiting beliefs, worries, feelings, questions, fears are for you to free yourself of that. And ask yourself that question, Mark, that you were talking about before with with that that new book of what if it what if it does work out? What could be possible for me?
3: yeah, I. Love that idea. And there's, I think that there's something weird and cathartic, and probably a whole bunch of other words that could throw in here too, that are helpful when you are taking the time to consider it. Consider something like this, like giving yourself permission and what is stopping you from doing that. And then essentially taking the time to crystallize it into writing and thinking through it at that level and some of the commitment that goes along with that as well so i huge fan of that and and i have a tendency to think about all of this as um permission isn't it isn't just like a It isn't a one and done. Like Mark opened the episode and said, okay, all have permission. We're out of here. We're done. Right. It, 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 in reality, it doesn't work like that. It's a continuous thing that you have to be able to do and decide to on an ongoing basis. So almost think about it in the, in the terms of how do you set up your life or how do you set up what you need your environment to enable yourself on a regular business, on a regular, uh, regular time period. I think that's the word I'm looking for to, continuously give yourself permission. And I, I think one great way is the permission slip exercise that you just talked about. And we'll absolutely yeah. link that up. You can go to com slash 214, and then we'll have that linked up there. And then you can get a whole bunch of other resources for taking permission as well. But then also a couple of other things that you can do too, is I think about it in one way that you can build that environment of enabling is build out a team of people that are going to be able to support you in that. And, you know, we've, we've had, this is one thing that I think was actually really interesting as we've talked to people that have gone through our crew change bootcamp or gone through some of our coaching programs. And that's one thing that they said is like, Hey, I had a whole team. I literally had a whole team of people that, uh, yeah that could help me and, and gave me uh, permission or enabled me to be able to move through some of these challenges, even when I wasn't feeling like it again. But you can do that in building out your own way too and identifying, hey, who are the people that I need? As you're going through writing that permission slip for yourself, also think about who are the people that I need in my life and intentionally set them up and say, okay, who's going to fill these slots so that they can continuously enable me to give permission? And then one other thought Along those lines, too, something that's worked for me particularly well is setting up um, setting up uh, setting up smaller situations or even smaller experiments where you must go forward. so you are forcing yourself to take permission, if you will, rather than give yourself permission. Um, for example, the first time that, I I've I've done a lot of public speaking over the years, but the first time I gave an online webinar type format, I was scared to death, (laughs) but I wasn't going to do it unless like we committed to the world several weeks in in advance and chose the date and everything else. And then that enabled me that by making that one tiny decision and one tiny commitment enabled me to then, um, give myself permission to go and actually do it. So in any, else you'd like to add either of you to, uh, to this set of solutions or what can help people as they're going through and taking permission for themselves?
0: I think, um, just two final thoughts for me. One, when you talk about finding a team and people, I mean, that's so huge. I remember, you know, Scott, you'll remember this when I was, when I was leaving my job, <clears throat> there were so many people that just thought it was crazy. <laughs> and it was so important. It was so helpful for me to have, you know, you and, and your wife around, you know, people that were there, like legitimately happy, like cheering me on, like, man, we're so excited for you because it is, it's scary. Like, especially when everybody around you is saying why would you do that? Wait, you're going to work with somebody you've never even met. Like, ser- what's wrong with you? Why would you leave this job? This job's so great. And so I think it's so important, and, and and that can't be understated how important it is to have people that when you have a tough day, when when something's not working right, when you're a little bit scared, that you can go to, and they're going to be excited. They're going to be as excited as you are. Um, that's that's so unbelievably important to have. Um, and the other only only other thought I would I would say on this you know giving yourself permission idea is I think sometimes we we get so caught up in when we think of giving ourselves permission we think that means we have to make a decision tomorrow when I give yourself permission it's just being intentional about what I'm choosing to do. It's not necessarily that I'm going to do it tomorrow you know there are constraints like Lisa you talked about earlier where maybe there's medical issues or whatever which means that you can't make that decision right now and that's okay but giving yourself permission is making sure that you're being intentional. You're not saying, oh, I can't because. You're saying, I'm not going to because I chose not to. Um, And and that is part of giving yourself permission too. And I think that's important to recognize that you know we're not saying if you don't make a career change tomorrow that you're not giving yourself permission. Or if you do make a career change tomorrow that you are giving yourself permission because it could go the other way. It could be somebody else pushed you into it. So it it really comes down to being intentional and, and making that decision and choosing to do it because you decide that it's best for you. Um, regardless of what that decision is.
3: That is awesome. Lisa, anything you want to add for final thoughts here?
1: I think if you are on the brink, if you've been listening to this and we're very curious about this idea of giving yourself permission, you already know what you've got to do. Yeah. So it would there would be nothing better that we could get out of you listening to this and nothing better that you could get out of you listening to this than doing it. Make it happen.
3: We are fans of making it happen as it turns out. And yeah, if, if you want a whole team of people, then write us, let us know what you are interested in taking permission on, and we can absolutely figure out the very best way to support you in doing that. Because much like Mark talked about that sometimes is really what makes or breaks the entire difference. Hey, thank you both so much for making the time to be here. And as Lisa, you said at the beginning, getting the getting the gang back together. I, I so appreciate it's it. It's fun. Thank Always you. Always a Thanks pleasure.
1: Thanks, Scott.
3: Hey, really hope you enjoyed that. If you're ready to create and live a life that is unapologetically you, I want you to check out our ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. Find your signature strengths to be able to do what you love, what you're good at, and Bring value to your clients, your customers, your organization, and everybody else. And we teach you how to be able to leverage that too. So all you have to do for that is you can pause right now and text my strengths, that's my strengths, plural to 44222, or you can go over to happendoyourcareer.com and click on resources and find the strengths guide. I think you're going to love it. Also, I just I just wanted to say thanks because we really have had a lot of people take the time and make the time to head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and leave us feedback on the show. And I'm so appreciative of that because every time you do that, it helps other people find this show, which means that we get to help even more people get to work that they love and realize that it's possible for them. We we pretty consistently see this this thing that happens where people start listening to the to the podcast for a period of time, eventually go over to our website, start taking advantage of some of the tools and resources and even programs and coaching that that we offer. And then they make their change. And the more that we can do that the better. So I so am appreciative. This is another five-star review, by the way, this one comes from Kara Fortier and was on iTunes. And she says, thanks, To the work that you've been doing on this podcast and your blog, I'm starting a certificate program in January that I never imagined I'd have the nerve to do. That's awesome, Kara. by the way. I I love how your methodology kind of takes us through the back door and helps us pass by the blocks. We might have that make us feel stuck and make us feel hopeless. Anyone who's open to guidance and thinking big just for a minute might rediscover dreams once discarded as unrealistic. Thanks for helping so many of us figure it out. Hey, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Kara, and I would love it if you'd you'd take the time, too. And you might hear yourself right here, your review right on the air. All right. Hey, we've got even more coming for you next week. Take a listen to what we've got coming up next week right here on Avenue Free.
2: They really didn't have a lot of, you know, processes in place. And it was very, you know, just kind of shoot from the hip. I mean, things were continuing. They didn't have anything really defined. It was very difficult to do business. I didn't even have basic resources that I needed to do my job. We were constantly, you know, having management changes and people were constantly leaving a lot of turnover. And that's completely normal
3: for organization. All right. All that and plenty more next week on Happened to Your Career. I think that you're going to love the episode with Olivia, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's definitely one of my favorites. All right. We'll see you
0: then. Until then,
3: I'm out. Adios.
0: This is just for you today. Hold on. Hold on. Ready? I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is Oh yeah. Friend.
3: Just for <laughs> Back in the saddle. That's, that's nice.
0: <laughs> I appreciate
3: on so many levels that you <laughs> pulled that out for
0: <laughs> just for you. That's been hanging in my, that's been hanging in my room for a long time. I haven't wore it for quite a while. We can't hear you, Lisa. Hey, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I I will be the
1: official virtual whipcracker, but I also, I get to have a second role in this conversation, which is to provide the female perspective, because I think there's really interesting nuances to the permission questions that pop up based on social gender norms.
0: Well, you
1: know, Mark and I would have felt bad doing the podcast without you.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> Scott looked on a Skype and realized we hadn't talked in eight months.
3: No, I was I was going the other way. It's like Mark represents the man, but um, but I've been on every episode, so right. a so I can't really not yeah, be on. not really not be here, <laughs> so. <laughs>